Hi, I'm Batsheva Frankel from Overthrowing Education, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Coach Carlos. Coach Carlos is committed to transforming institutions and individuals through leadership and learning. Our focus today is his book, Power Engage, Seven Power Moves for Building Strong Relationships to Increase Engagement with Students and Parents. Oh, this is cool. This is a powerful talk. You're going to learn so much and you're going to want to get this book because uh, it's going to help you do what you're doing. Good stuff. And uh, by the way, before you go, uh, how'd you like to help out the podcast? There's a couple of different ways you could do that. Uh, matter of fact, one of the ways is just tell a friend, a family member, or a colleague and say, hey, you ought to listen to Teaching Learning Leading K-12 and give them a link. What do you think? That'd be so cool. Another way would be to go to my website, stephenmaletto.com and uh, slash reviews and leave a review. You could do that. Um, while you're on the webpage, you could also uh, subscribe. That would be very cool. And another way would be... Uh, I have a link on the front of the page there that's called Buy Me a Coffee. And that would be so cool. By clicking this, uh, you could it'll take you to a page where you could donate a dollar or two to help me deal with uh, some of the costs of doing the podcast. Uh, what do you think? There's just three ways that you could help me out. That would be so awesome. Thanks for listening, and uh, thanks for uh, sharing and being a part of all of this. You're awesome. Enjoy the show. Yeah, I'm 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 born and bred in Detroit, so I'm a I'm a factory guy. It was always around me. And one of the things that was clear when I was young, I didn't know that I didn't understand the philosophy, but I, as I got older, I understood the term geometric progression. And the domino theory is based off of geometric progression, which pretty much says what we learned from the domino theory is that you can line tiny dominoes up in ascending larger sizes. And and really just knock over the smallest domino and it has the ability to create a chain effect that knocks over the subsequent dominoes that are 50% or more greater in their size and weight. So ultimately, you can knock over this huge, gigantic domino, maybe even the size as the uh, uh, exper- the experiments shown. You can look it up at YouTube, knock over the Empire State Building in theory. But it all starts with doing something very small. One little small movement starts a chain reaction that knocks over ultimately this larger domino. So in, in understanding that theory, what I begin to do is test it and see if how did it work with our processes of transforming school culture. It's the education podcast, your favorite show, with lots of groovy guests and they share what they know. So crank it up to 10 and let your neighbors know that here's another show with Dr. Steve Milletto. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Ah, ah, with Dr. Steve Milletto. As a professional speaker, trainer, and author, Carlos Johnson, a.k.a. Coach Carlos, is locally bred, but his work and research on culture and engagement have taken him across the nation and globe. Coach Carlos and his team of consultants have utilized his experience and research to successfully turn around three failing public schools and one private Christian academy. In addition, his training and strategies have helped to change school culture and increase parental engagement, student enrollment, and staff and student retention. His driving belief can be best summarized by the following quote, After 20 years of research, all evidence confirms that a highly engaged school culture is the mother of high performance. 
The research and results from this philosophy led Coach Carlos to create his systematic approach to revolutionizing school culture by teaching districts how to build healthy performance-based relationships and institutionalize stakeholder engagement. In 2015, Coach Carlos stepped into principalship, and during his three-year tenure, he doubled school enrollment, increased staff pay, transformed school culture, and increased student performance school-wide. In response to the National School-to-Prison Pipeline Crisis for Young Men, Coach Carlos created online Tier 2 PBIS Behavior and Leadership course for boys called Future Man Success Prep. In addition, his Power Engage system is an online on-site system that trains thousands of parents, students, and instructional teams each year on the psychology and practice of engagement. Coach Carlos is committed to transforming institutions and individuals through leadership and learning. Our focus today is his book, Power Engage, Seven Power Moves for Building Strong Relationships to Increase Engagement with Students and Parents. Coach Carlos, thanks so much for being on the show and say hi to everyone. Hello, everyone, and it's my pleasure to be here with you, Stephen. Well, glad to have you, and uh, let's start with this. I mean, our focus today is your book, Power Engage, Seven Power Moves for Building Strong Relationships to Increase Engagement with Students and Parents. Why'd you write this book? Uh, I wrote it. It was it was the, you know, the old term that says um, necessity is the mother. Well, the book was the uh, the mother uh, or the child of necessity while working in schools as I do and then leading um, uh, our male leadership academy. It was clear to me that students responded differently to stimuli from instructors and leaders who they had a relationship with, a relationship built on trust and performance, not just the general, you know, fun, rah-rah friendship, but if they had a relationship with a teacher or a leader that was built, built on trust and performance, they performed and behaved differently for that individual than they did for the other individuals who really didn't have those type of relationships with them. That's awesome. That's, uh, and, um, much needed, you know, it's, uh, I think, uh, sometimes as adults, one of the things we can get caught up in is everything except, uh, that the kids need to know that uh, there's some connection they have with uh, something more than just the building coming in and out of the doors. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This stark contrast when students the way they perform and engage with their athletic coaches is a stark difference there than when they perform and relate and engage with their academic coaches. Oh, you're so right. So right. In the preference of your book, you uh, explain sound the alarm. Students must engage. Could you explain why you use this to begin your book? Yeah. And, um, Yeah, thank you for picking that out. It's actually a poem that I read at the beginning of all of my training workshops and all of my keynote speeches. It sets the mood for me, um, and my hope is that it sets the mood for those who I'm speaking to. I I I want everyone that I work with to understand that what I'm what I came to understand with is that we are in a state of emergency. It's no longer business as usual, and I'm not sure if it ever was. (laughs) But it became very clear to me that there is an urgency here that's required. And what an individual does at wartime has to be totally different than what they would do at peacetime. 
But what I see too often is that we walk around acting as if it's peacetime and it's not. Uh, our students are failing, particularly boys and, and students with uh, disabilities. Uh, they are failing. Uh, we have in the last three years, we have lost three million teachers. Uh, we're in a war. We're in a battlefield. When you look at the that superintendents, their tenure is five years or less. It's wartime and we can't act like it's peacetime. And that was the uh, the origin of that poem. That's awesome, and I, it was very powerful. I, I went back and read that section a couple of times. I'm like, oh, I got to make sure we talk about this. So I appreciate yeah, yeah. appreciate you doing that. Because, and you're so right. I mean, right now, a lot of school systems are stealing from each other um, when it yeah. comes to <laughs> teachers and, yeah. and like yeah. that. And uh, and when it's you know superintendents, like you said, if the they they may not last five, maybe three. Yeah. Right, and, right, uh, right. <laughs> and a little bit of that is just the politics and stuff like that going on. So that's it. That's it. Yeah. Stuff. You know, one of the things that uh, we're going to do today is we're going to go through just a little bit of your book. Cause I got to tell the listeners, you know, you got to get out there and buy coach Carlos's book. It's awesome. You're not going to be disappointed. Um, so, but we are going to go through a few of the chapters and, and the first one, chapter one opens with you talking about the domino effect. Yeah. Could you explain this? Yeah, I'm 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 born and bred in Detroit, so I'm a I'm a factory guy. It was always around me, and one of the things that was clear when I was young, I didn't know that I didn't understand the philosophy, but I, as I got older, I understood the term geometric progression, and the domino theory is based off of geometric progression, which pretty much says what we learned from the domino theory is that you can line tiny dominoes up in ascending larger sizes. And and really just knock over the smallest domino and it has the ability to create a chain effect that knocks over the subsequent dominoes that are 50 percent or more greater in their size and weight. So ultimately, you can knock over this huge, gigantic domino, maybe even the size as the uh, uh, the experiments shown. You can look it up at YouTube, knock over the Empire State Building in theory. But it all starts with doing something very small. One little small movement starts a chain reaction that knocks over ultimately this larger domino. So in, in understanding that theory, what I begin to do is test it and see if how did it work with our processes of transforming school culture. And it does. All, but what you need to do is line up corresponding effects, line them up in, in in succession, and then what you do is start a chain reaction with something small, and ultimately you get to your larger goal. But what we, to our detriment, what we do too often is start with a larger domino, and that's trying to eat the elephant all in one bite. You start with the smaller, uh, uh, the smaller issue, the smaller task, as long as it's connected to a larger task and that task is connected to a larger task and that task is connected to a larger task, they all will fall right down. But you have to first line them up and then all you do is start with something real small and it sets off a chain reaction, geometric progression as we call it in Detroit. And that is the easiest way to transform school culture, the easiest way to build healthy relationships is uh, using utilizing that domino theory. I love that. I love that. It's uh, yeah. you know, it's uh, you know, the power 
just the analogy itself, if you've, I mean, I, I love it when people put together these massive domino yeah. <laughs> e- yeah. examples of what you're talking about and then they knock them down and then you see it, uh, the impact that it has. Well, it, all you have to do is see that once and totally understand what you're talking about there. That's right. Yeah. And we all see the interconnectivity of all those dominoes. What we don't often see is that they also have the ability to knock over larger dominoes. That same thing. If we lay, if we laid the dominoes up in, in larger sizes, the exact same thing would still happen. The little small domino would trigger them and knock over larger dominoes. Isn't that what happens to us in real life though, in relationships, you know, awesome. your, your wife, your spouse, your partner, whatever comes to you angry about something. And you're like, what did I do? Yeah, but it, it wasn't what happened in that moment. It's something you did, you know, <laughs> months ago, and it's just lining up. <laughs> That's what happens. Very much so. Very much so. Uh, uh, good stuff. I, all right. So, uh, you know, in chapter one, you go on to say this. Relationships are the answer to the educator's focus question. So what do you mean? Yeah. yeah so um, there's a book that I read that changed my my leadership style. And, and that was the one thing, uh, the book is called the one thing and it's by a real, a real estate guru more so, but he's a, he wrote the book, not for realtors, but for business people. And in his quest to build this massive organization of efficiency and productivity, he found that it wasn't wise to do a whole bunch of things, but to concentrate on one thing. And his statement was. He would ask himself and his team, he trained his team to ask themselves the same question every morning. What's the one thing I can do such that by doing so will make everything else easier or unnecessary? What's the one thing? Not what's the five things, not what's the 20 things. And that's what we do in education. We we think about 20 different things we can do and it stresses everybody out. So when I'm training teams, we, we, we throw all the tools out on the floor and we line them all up. And the question I ask them is, what's the one thing we can do that if we did this one thing, not all of these 30 different initiatives and projects, we did this one thing, what's the one thing that would make everything else easier or unnecessary? And I'm telling you, Steve, by the time we get through with that, there is a woosah in the room. There is a, 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 a relief that comes over us all that we don't have to do all this simultaneously. But if we get this one thing right, it'll have an effect on everything else and indeed make some things unnecessary. So that's why that uh, um, that that theory, that asking that question every morning, I encourage all of, all of these listeners, ask yourself every morning, what's the one thing I can do and such that by doing so will make everything else easier or unnecessary? And it'll open your eyes up to a lot of different opportunities. I love that. I love it. There's a read a study last year where they were they were looking at different programs that were in different school public schools across the nation, and like they they identified one that had 16 programs going on at the same time. And it's yeah. like no wonder why I can't do anything, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, it's overload. Oh, so <laughs> what much. Was, so. What was the uh, 
what was the Karate Kid? The instructor said, "Wipe on, wipe off." I mean, <laughs> you I love that. Yes, when you put something on the plate, you gotta take something off. <laughs> very much so. Very much so. Love it. Oh, nice reference too. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, you know, uh, chapter two has a great title and focus: "Get Our Butts Out of the Way." <laughs> Relationship yeah. mindset sets. Uh, what are you talking about here? Yeah. So. Um, there's a story I'll open up that chapter with uh, uh, about um, my car not starting one morning in the cold day of Michigan and calling AAA. AAA comes over and my lights are working. My radio comes on and I was confused. It's like, hey, if if I'm getting these accessories to come on, why won't the car turn over? And what he very clearly said to me is that those low-level accessories will come on with just a little bit of juice. But if you want to turn the engine over, you got to have a higher level of voltage. And it hit me like a ton of bricks that that's what we do in school. Everybody engages all kids. So when you hear teachers need to engage, teachers need to engage, we need more engagement, we need more, we need teachers need to engage. Teachers are engaging all over the place. And I want you guys listening to know that I know you and Steven knows too. <laughs> we all know that you guys engage. That's not the issue. The question we have to ask ourselves is, are we engaging at a large enough level to turn the child's engine over their brain over and not the low level functions? Now, when it comes down to the butts, the reason what I found is that at all teachers, even though they all engage, Many of them would not engage at high levels because they had butts. I would engage at a high level, but this student won't do this. But this student comes from this type of family. But this student is coming from a single parent home. But this student won't take the homework home. But it was always another but. So I, what was real clear, if we're really going to engage at a high enough level to get those high level motor functionings operating in our kids, then we've got to get our butts out the way. We've got to get those butts, whatever is your butt that stops you from engaging that crazy kid over there in the corner, that kid that doesn't bring his homework in, whatever it is that does not allow you to see that all kids can exceed, whatever that butt is, you've got to get it out the way. Yeah, I love this. This is, there's especially... Having been a, a high school principal, I, all my career is in high, high school level um, from teaching through. And, uh, you know, you, and you, you go in a, when you get a chance to go in multiple classrooms, it's awesome. But then sometimes you witness something that you're like, yeah. what in the world? And, and it's something just like what you're talking about, where the kid is obviously disengaged. He's leaning against the wall. He's, he's uh, not doing anything. And there's no paper out on the desk. There's you know, whatever. He's not doing anything yet the adult i can see it and the yeah. adult that's in the room is like uh just ignoring them yeah yeah i, I would say something to that kid but exactly. <laughs> whatever that whatever that but is I, I would have a great relationship with that kid but i think that kid could do better in my class but whatever comes after that but we gotta address it and once you address it watch how engagement shoots through the roof Love it. I love it. In chapter three, you introduce the reader to four qualities that good classroom coaches possess. Could you share these qualities? Let's talk about them. Yeah, good, good coaches, they have the ability to uh, 
to do quite a few things, but what we were real clear that coaches were able to do is that they were able to see that first of all, all, all these kids can, all the kids can, can do very well in my class for whatever reason they have the ability to do that. Now that's a whole nother study. Why those of us can see all the kids doing something uh, meaningful in this class and why others have those butts in the way. It's a whole nother study, a whole nother podcast, a whole nother maybe book. But classroom coaches have the ability to see that all of these kids can win. And because they can win, what they have the ability to do is to reach into their classroom and to create scenarios where every kid can use their individual gifts. So for instance, one of the power moves I talk about is collaborative competition. Classroom coaches will put those scenarios in place where there's healthy competition inside their classroom, which brings out the best in all kids and allows all kids to contribute. Coaches have that ability to get past their mastery in their content area and connect to the kids in that room. They just, they, it's innate in them. Now I want to pause right here just for a second, because when people hear me say innate, then that's when they say, oh, see, that's not something I have. I just, I don't, and there are those out there who I witness and who I observe who just didn't have it in them. They were, they knew their content, but they just didn't have it in them to engage all kids. That's the reason why if you don't have the ability to engage all kids individually, a leader like yourself, a leader like myself, I have to create processes and procedures in my building that allows engagement to happen for all students. So whether you're a classroom coach who innately has that ability to connect or whether you are an instructor who becomes a coach because you follow the processes and procedures that were create for engage, created for, for engagement in the classroom. I love this. This is, uh, you know, and by the way, I love the fact that you point out the whole thing about, uh, yeah, 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 don't go that direction with the, you know, trying to say that I just, I just can't work with this one, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't have we those. Don't, yeah. We don't, we, we don't want that. I, I've helped it. I was working with a superintendent out in Inkster and he, what we worked together for a couple of months and he created this, this uh, school culture process and procedure that's called love, laugh, learn. He wanted his whole building, his entire district to operate under this philosophy of love, laughing, and learning. And what that did for those instructors who were more heady and less hardy, so they led with their head and th their heart followed, he built into the culture, into the process of every single day where instructors and leaders would, would love their kids with demonstration. They would laugh with their kids. And when you love and laugh with kids, learning is a byproduct. That was his philosophy, and he proved it. That's awesome. I love that. That's because uh, you know too often, <laughs> too often a lot of times the the adult is removed so much 
that yeah. uh, they don't want to do that. That's like, you know, kind of, you know, this yeah. will really date me, but there used to be a comedian a long time ago named W.C. Fields who'd say, get away from me, kid, you bother me. And, you know, and That's it's, right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember him. I guess we're both dating. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And, you know, and sometimes I, I, oh, it's it should be the opposite where it's like, you know, come on, man, let's laugh together. This yeah. is going to be good. I like that. That's Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cool. And, I, and I do understand that everybody's not going to be a TikTok, a TikTok viral sensation where they're dancing with their kids and slapping. <laughs> everybody's got a different handshake. And I, I understand that. That's not what we're saying. But what we are saying is that learning should be a human interaction. Learning should be a human experience. And what I say in the book is that a relationship is the vehicle that two people use to go in and out of each other's hearts. That's something we all, all of us can do is build relationships. Love it. In chapters four and five, you share with us the concept called hi, why? What is it and why is it important? Yeah, yeah, that's that, that right there. That's a powerful one there also. Um, it's really built on the philosophy uh, of living a life filled with purpose where you are, when, when I open some of my workshops with a staff when I'm doing PD, what I ask everyone to stand and do is I ask them, I say, I want you to stand and I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to think about a student in the past and th- or in the present. Give me their name. Give me, get, get their face in your mind's eye. Then I ask everybody to open their eyes up. And then I ask them to go around a room and, and tell me who they saw. And they start naming kids and their names and their faces. And you should, it changes the dynamics in the room. They, at first, they may have been a little stuffy as another PD we have to go through. But when they start thinking about those kids, it reminds them why they got into this game. Because nobody gets into education to make money. I mean, that's not why we do this. <laughs> this is not this is not the field to get paid in. So what I try to do in those chapters is to take take educators back to that place, whether it was recent or decades ago, when they had a high why, where they chose to go into debt with student loans <laughs> to to teach kids in a classroom somewhere. That person right there has a high why, but oftentimes because of the politics of education, because the problems of education, and because the people of education, we can forget why we got into this game. So I try in those chapters to take them back to their high why, and when they remember their high why, it's a you get a jolt of energy. I love that. I, I have to <laughs> I have to say this because you, you made me think about this when I was reading this. So one day I was uh, I'm an assistant principal in a high school, very large high school, and uh, I, I'm standing against the wall, not too far from the bathrooms, because different supervision things that are going on there. That way you can there's smoking going on over here. You can smell it and you deal with it, and then deal with whatever. And uh, so I'm standing there looking out across the cafeteria, and the student comes up and he he stands next to me and. And uh, he goes up against the wall, he stands next to me, and he looks at me, and he says, so you went to college, right? And I said, yes. And he goes, uh, and you paid for college, right? And I said, yes. And, and I said, where are you going with this? He goes, so <laughs> you went to college for at least four years and paid for it so you could watch us eat. <laughs> 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 I said, go, oh, every. Wow. 
<laughs> Go away, Reed. Follow me. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> you with the WC Fields on it, right? <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. I'll be that. It's real easy in the process of the day to forget it. There's a uh, another slide I share with them when I'm doing that part of the presentation, and it's my motivation. I don't tell them that they need to adopt it, but I we all have it. But what reminds me and keeps me grounded and centered in those rough periods is is uh, the scripture that I've, in, I've embedded in my heart, and that's James 3, when it says, woe be unto you who want to be teachers, because you will be judged with a stricter judgment. For me, that's motivation, because it reminds me, I just can't get up and go into the classroom and teach all any kind of way, because there's going to, at one day, my heavenly father's going to say, what have you done with those gifts? That's my motivation. Now, I, I, I encourage them to find out what it is that's driving you. And that's what the high why is all about. I love that. Love it. The, uh, you know, and I, I do think too often we forget why. And it's, yeah. it's, I got to get that reminder again going. That's yeah. good stuff. So right. I love that. I, you know, in, in chapter seven, you said, typically when looking for additional resources, educators go to the district for help or pay for these resources themselves. But one of the most powerful resources they have for school transformation is at their fingertips and is free. Yeah. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. That one right there is a very underutilized resource. And that are and that is the resource of these children that are coming into your school. <laughs> There's no reason why our parents should be let off the hook this easily. And, and by and large, truth be told, a lot of parents don't want to be let off the hook, but they're not led into the proper space to engage. They're just kind of most districts just kind of tell parents, do this, do that, do that. That's not building relationship. And when you build relationship with these families, now parents can become a part of the process. And when they become a part of the process, the math is wonderful. So say, for instance, let's do a quick math problem here. Say, for instance, you have a school of 500 kids. How many, how many parents would you say that was? Just, just take a, a flyer at it. 500 kids, how many, how many parents? Uh, 1,200. So 1,200. So we got 1,200 parents. That's grandmothers, people who care about these kids. So if we've got 1,200 adults connected to these 500 kids. Let's just do some percentages. If we've got 10% of that 1200 to be engaged with this school, to come in and read uh, to the kindergartners, to come in and maybe stand in the lunchroom with you as an extra eye. Yes. <laughs> <You know>? yes. <laughs> I mean, how many, how many adults would that be? That's 120. Right. So 120 more adults, and you don't have to use all of them. You can strategically put them in places throughout the year where they are engaged in the learning process. And we don't do this strategic enough, so we, we're letting those resources sleep. We're letting those resources get up and go to work, uh, drop their kids off and go to work. One of the things that I strategically did and my academy is I engaged all our parents. And here's the reason why. Selfishly, I did it, not just strategically, but our parents were connected to some nice organizations. 
And I wanted them to go back to those organizations and bring those organizational resources back to our building. And guess what, Steve? They did. Nice. nice. They did. I had one parent, um, American Airlines, for those of you who are listening, they have a program called the Do Crew. D-O-C-R-E-W. The Do Crew. American Airlines says to its employees, if you find a organization that's nonprofit that you believe in that we can support, we will support them with two, two ways. Frequent flyer miles so that people can take trips. You can give away trips at rallies or we'll, we'll support them with bodies for people. Our, our employees can um, volunteer their time in that building. Oh my goodness. This one parent brought us frequent flyer miles that we could auction off at events and parents could take free trips. Uh, they, they, they brought us a 50, 50 men in our building who rotated throughout the year. Nice. One parent. So uh, we don't use our parent, our, our parental resources enough. We sure don't. That's uh that's something. Matter of fact, in some places, the parents don't even feel welcome. So it's yeah. uh, you know, there's kind of a pushback to say, yeah, get at the door. There's a force field. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. And, and they don't necessarily have to be in our building. There are some low level things I talk about when I when I work with schools or in the book that, you know, all parents should be doing. At the very least, they should be uh, uh, welcomed and trained on how to get in weekly into power school or whatever the. Uh, school of uh, the school system is where parent the parent portal is. They should be trained, and every Friday or every Monday, once a week, parents should be going into that portal, looking at the grades, looking at the performance. But they'll only do that if they're trained, if they're welcome. And then this last one, and I'm sorry, teachers, I know you might get bad at me, but we got to do it. Every week, grades should be in that portal. Every single week, as a parent, I should nice. be able to go into that portal and see how my son is doing or how my child is doing. Makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. And I like that a lot. That's, uh, that's one of the things you got to keep up with that stuff so that then they are um, informed and they understand yeah. what's, what's happening there. So good stuff. I, all right. So my favorite chapter, Coach Carlos, is chapter eight. And it's called Tar Target Your Boys. Why'd you create this chapter? Yeah. Uh, what I noticed um by chance is that boys and, and we don't have enough time to unpack that so those of you all who are hearing me please don't think i'm only talking about boys with the exclusion of girls i'm not but what's clear from the research is that boys from every class aren't doing well in our school systems and we're not just talking about um united states anymore Globally, boys are failing miserably behind their counterparts. Uh, in, in the United States since, seven, since 1979, when we passed Title IX, girls have taken off as they should have. We tore down all the artificial barriers that were holding our girls back. But when the girls took off, our boys did not, and they stood stagnated. And the evidence is everywhere you look. They lead in every category that's negative. All of our psychotropic uh, drugs, boys lead. 
All of our referrals, boys lead. All of our expulsions, boys lead. Uh, our, the, the, the fewest number of students in our, our honors classes, boys. We have Either we have to come to the conclusions that boys are academically, intellectually inferior, or we've got to look at our system and say, why is it that boys aren't doing very well in our schools? We've got to, we've got to take a look in the mirror on that one. Like Michael Jackson said, <laughs> you know, it's the man in the mirror. We've got to do it. Why are boys so terrible? Does it have anything to do? And it's a question that we have to answer. Does it have to do with, deal with the fact that in many of our buildings, most of our buildings, 90% of the instructional team is female and only 17% of the, the instructional team nationally is male, and only 2% of that team is African-American male, could it be possible that we've got a gender problem in our education? Just a question. But what you cannot avoid is that boys are failing. And if your high why was to teach children, then boys are a part of that high why. And we got to figure out what's going on with our boys. So powerful, so powerful, and so right on it. They, uh, you know, it's something that's it's got to be addressed. And uh, I think that's one of those things that uh, a lot of times the adult wants to just say, oh, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, whatever." I'm moving on this way. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, right, right, um, yeah. <laughs> right. So, that's right. We, we we go with the old mother goose tale that uh, you know girls are made of all these sweet things and yes. boys are made of puppy dog tails and snails. And all. Right, right, right. Nice, nice. That's, that's not science, everybody. <laughs> I like that. Good stuff. Well, awesome chapter. I love that. Uh, um, bringing it, bringing it to the, the forefront. So I like, I like what you're doing there. Uh, you know, throughout your book, you have reproducibles and graphics that help your readers understand and use your concepts. I mean, I love it because it's, it makes it very practical. So it's not just, theory you've also got stuff here to help them put uh um you know what you're talking about into place i mean could you talk about why you included these practical tools yeah one of the things i i learned uh as an administrator uh as a teacher is that oftentimes teachers we want solutions right away and we can't wait for the district to approve the budget we can't wait for my to get permission from my school leader we want something i can do right away something that will move the needle right away so the the uh, the power moves that are listed inside this book are all things that teachers can uh you know can just grab one of the power moves the first two power moves are are reflective there are for for yourself to really look at who you are becoming know your high why and also become a, 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 a agree to becoming a classroom coach adopting that philosophy the other the other five power moves are just strategies that you can do tomorrow every sunday uh i do a quick tip it's about five minutes on facebook and the the um what i say is that every Sunday come listen to a quick tip that you can implement on Monday because I don't I don't want to give them a, another box of things to do. <laughs> I want to give them quick tips so the book represents that philosophy. Here's a reproducible, here's a strategy that will move the needle that is research based but also field tested. I love it, love it. And you know, and and 
you point out something, so I got to make sure I knew, I knew I remembered it. So I got to, uh, you know, one of the things you have is, uh, is a reproducible about uh, my high wide journal. And, uh, mm-hmm. I, and I, mm-hmm. I like that because it, it kind of gives us some ideas about uh, what to write or to think about and reflect on. And I, um, you have all kinds of cool stuff in here, but that just, that, uh, that one in particular, you know, when someone's saying, I don't know what to write if I was a journal and stuff like this, ah, uh, you give them some ideas. Love it. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Thank you. So coach Carlos, if someone wanted to follow up and connect with you and, or learn more, where would you send them? Uh, I've got a couple of different links, but here's the easiest way. Just go to carlosjohnson.org and all of my links are there carlosjohnson.org and that there's a link there to my Facebook. There's a link there to my Instagram. There's a link there to our resources for schools. Um, Imageofsuccess.com is the main site. And those where all of our programs are. We have a program for parents, power parenting university, a program for boys, future man prep, and then a program for teachers. And that's power engaged. But if you're ever wondering how, if you forgot anything else, just remember carlosjohnson.org. That is awesome. And I'll have that information in the show notes. So it makes it easy for them to get to you, which will get good stuff. I, I got two last questions for you, Coach Carlos, that are questions I like to ask my guests. And the first one goes like this. How do you keep going when so much is going on that you may want to quit? Yeah, yeah. And, and I have to reflect back to um, that scripture that powers me, and that's James 3. I know at the end of the day, a superintendent, a building leader, a, a teacher, a student, a parent, that's not who's going to evaluate me. At the end of the day, I'm going to stand before my heavenly father and he's going to say, what you, what you, what have you done? And I want to be able to hear those words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. Now I'll make you a ruler over many. And that's what powers me when I get low. I know that I've got, I'm here for a purpose. I'm, I'm, I have my high why and my goal is to fulfill my high why. Love that. That is so powerful. Thank you so much for sharing it. Uh, last question. Do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? Who, if so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say thank you? Oh yeah. It would be without a doubt, uh, Mrs. Hunter. She was my math teacher and I have quite a few, but Mrs. Hunter was the one that she was a take no prisoners teacher. She was the first person, and when I look in my rear view mirror, that understood what I call compassionate accountability. She was very compassionate, but she did not play. <laughs> she did not play. You were going to be held accountable for learning math. It was just that simple, but she was still compassionate. She wasn't all compassion, which would have made you soft and weak. And she wasn't all accountability, which would have made me mean and honorary towards education. She hugged you, but she had a paddle. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, Coach Carlos, thank you so much for sharing your book, Power Engage, Seven Power Moves for Building Strong Relationships to Increase Engagement with Students and Parents. What an awesome focus. What a must-read for all educators. Thank you so much. Wishing you the best in all you do. Thank you for having me on here, Steve. Hey, you have been listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast to help you help kids achieve their dreams. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the podcast network based in Canada called Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio. 
your voice is right here. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Hey, thanks for listening. It would be awesome if you visited my website at stephenmaletto.com and connected with me, left a review, and listened to more episodes. And by the way, you could also share it with your friends, with your family, and uh, your colleagues. Thanks so much. You're awesome.